All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> should I introduce us? Yeah. What was that? Here, I'm going to pour this martini as I introduce us. Uh, welcome, listener, possibly plural, to City Mouse Country Mouse. <laughs> this is a weekly podcast wherein I, Nick Brown, the City Mouse, tell and a story to... Oh, me, Kate Oops. O'Hara, country mouth. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. You know what? We got we should really standardize the text. As is usual on these things, I am pouring myself an enormous amount of vodka over ice, which I'm justifying by calling it a martini, but really, it's vodka over ice. <laughs> No shaker today, just straight from the bottle. No, no, no. I'm shaking it right here for oh, sound. You yeah, that's. Shake it. I, yeah, oh yeah. Sorry, I shake it and then I pour it into a glass. And I have blueberries in the glass this week. They were frozen blueberries. It is hot as f out here, Catherine O'Hara. So I might be switching to gin and tonics for the next few weeks because they feel more summery rather than just drinking a stiff gulp of vodka. <laughs> What about a, a muddling mint? That's the thing that some people do. A mojito? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I said, whoa, that hit like a train. That was a, that was a strong first sip. <laughs> I saw you kind of spasm. Yeah. No, it came on harsh. <laughs> I went running this afternoon, Catherine. I went running for a while and I was exhausting because it's 90 degrees outside here and I'm just pouring sweat and I'm dehydrated because last night was the 4th of July and I had a, a bit to drink and nothing works because there's no water anywhere in my body and I'm back and I pounded water and this is the first thing I've had since then is this glass of just vodka pure and it is yeah it's it's like I don't know it's like finishing a crew race only to down a bunch of cookie dough or something. You're like a, a, a frat guy. What are you doing to yourself, Nikki? What about <laughs> your blood to, pressure? I know. My blood pressure is so high. Oh, it's dangerously high. Oh. <laughs> Look, there's only one way to go. Does, it, does a balloon stop inflating just because someone says it might pop? No, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Not at my children's parties. And those children may cry, but they will not have balloons. Oh, Nick. I'm not uh, drinking anything this week. What? I, oh, I don't, okay. There's, there's no alcohol in the house. You're to be the popped balloon of our podcast? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on something. Actually, I guess the, the unpopped balloon of our podcast. Right. The, sorry, that's the backwards form of the metaphor. You're the only balloon that didn't pop. I'm not popping. <laughs> uh, okay, well, fair enough. Do you have... Um, I, so, are you high as a kite? Is that what you're telling me? Well, I mean, we're going to let the listener uh, see Infer? if they can figure it out. And um, anyone who <laughs> oh, no. thinks they have a guess can call Nick. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll put his number up on the, on the yeah. page. Uh, yeah, should, your number should be in the logo. I, we're not going to do that. Well, do you, so you have a form of storytelling juice, and I've had a form of storytelling juice, but first, would you, do you have any updates from the country? Well, our Senator John Barrasso spent the week um, trying to dismantle universal health care and the Clean Water Act. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. 
Our, our Senator Chuck Schumer continued to yell impotently from the peanut gallery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. What else happened? I ran a 5K. I also run, Nick. Oh, congratulations. I, I wish... I wish that uh, we could go running together. Can how long do you usually run? Uh, today it was not very long because today Shara accompanied me on roller skates. Oh, and of course she did. You're, yeah, it was. You're marrying cool. roller girl. Yeah, I am basically, and she had a new pair of roller skates she wanted to try out, and we didn't go very far because she was feeling a little sick because it was really really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't go running in the morning. No, cool. because in the morning is most proximate to when I'd been drinking last. And so, though, though the temperature is more conducive to running, my body is not yet prepared. Well, you're only drinking on uh, the weekends now, right? Yeah, but we're recording this on a Sunday, despite the fact that it will be released on a Friday. So, But you only, you only go running on a... Well, oh, I do my long you... runs on Sunday. They're just They're just scheduled in that way. Although this particular Sunday my long run was two miles last Sunday I ran nine miles but this Sunday we ran I yeah two miles two and a half a nice a nice place to run there around the lake no forest yeah ish it's mostly on you know county highways it's not great I you know I'm not in New York right now to be clear Do do you get to dive into that lake when you're done do you swim I absolutely I swam earlier today I swam yesterday multiple times Oh, I had, that's so cool. Catherine, I get what this rural America thing is on the 4th of July. I, oh. It's heavenly up here. <laughs> I was I have never been up here for it before. And everybody's out on the lake, you know, wake surfing and drinking beers and hanging out in the shallow water and getting coronavirus. And then the <laughs> night goes on and it gets dark and we all go meet up with our elderly relatives and give them coronavirus, but they won't know that for another week or so. So in the meantime, we go out on boats and we watch fireworks and they're glorious. All of the houses on the lake. I don't know. I had no idea that the fireworks budgets up here, the individual fireworks budgets were so high. Really? Yeah. it's, It's like every homeowner on this lake is courting a forest fire. It's really incredible. <laughs> and it hasn't rained in a long time. Uh, yeah. Everything's dry. I mean, we have a big source of water if fire were to catch because it is a lake. But, man, there's a lot of fireworks and then a lot of boats just sitting out in the, you know, in the still water in the middle of the night with a big full moon last night. It was oh, wonderful. Yeah. It felt like yeah. a land of fairies and magic. Mm, which maybe. was our theme several weeks ago. Though I think, uh, yeah, I think it's up online now. I think that was, I think that's technically our second episode. It, it was kind of a, a magical night last night. I stared at the moon with a couple friends. Uh, there was a, a, a bat shaped cloud that went over it. <laughs> we, uh, Happy Fourth, everybody! We, we, <laughs> we didn't see any fireworks. Though. Yeah, well, there's nothing that. Independence Day is about if it is not about a bat-shaped cloud. (laughs) My version of the Revolutionary War features Batman prominently. I was going to talk about bats today because our theme this week is... Yeah, you didn't give me one. You suggested one. What is our theme this week? I mean, I was going to forget it anyway. (laughs) 
It's balls deep in the VC. <laughs> that was that was a joke on oh. the text thread that I didn't think you would repeat on air. <laughs> I thought that was our theme. Well, okay, I guess I <laughs> That's what I've prepared for. I was pretty okay, well I guess I guess that's it then. I guess I, I'm this is gonna be tough for stories from my end, but and and uh, a little tasteless from everyone's end, but I you know <laughs> These at least are stories that happen to us. If you have a prepared story, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, I'll tell you, I was uh, going to the University of Kansas okay. in, in Lawrence. I was existing in Lawrence yep. at the time. And uh, I was walking by a sorority house and they were having a cotillion on the lawn. Do they have cotillions in Kansas? They were. They had it. They were doing. Look, I don't know what they were doing. Okay, it gotcha. looks suspicious. I see. Uh, uh, Cotillions are inherently suspicious to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they what were do all they wearing, do with those dresses? <laughs> yeah, they were formal dresses. They were like the most shiny, pretty. I just don't know how they got that way. These women, these polish. girls. Yeah, I mean, they look like polished teeth. Yeah. Really. No, they are the polished teeth of people, debutantes and cotillion attenders and sorority girls. And it's interesting. I can't, I can't achieve that. Uh, But uh, I was at the, I was walking by, and they all started squealing. Like all these sorority girls were, like having a little tizzy. And uh, so, (laughs) I don't love where this is going, given the theme. But I'm, (laughs) I'm intrigued to hear. Um, well, so I went up, uh, they were having a lawn party. So I went up on the lawn, like to see what was going on. And, uh, I guess there was a bat in the corner of their awning. I guess they had awnings, but there was a little bat hanging in the corner of their party. Oh, and, uh, and they went mad for it. Well, they, they didn't like it. They they were (laughs) fleeing out of this tent and like squealing. Sure. And, uh, and I was intrigued. I didn't know why they were running yet, but so I, I walked up on their lawn, which was like, you know, their estate. Oh. Hold on. Wait, let me, you're going to have to retell it. Shari, do you want to come in and get your computer and I'll just edit this out? Sure. I really, I killed, I killed your momentum there. It's, it's Nick's fault, not yours. Um, it definitely is her fault. <laughs> just to be clear. This is how our marriage is going forward. I will refuse to accept blame. Yeah, you should never surrender. I think that's what they say in Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. You're from different planets. Why compromise? (laughs) Compromise never made sense to me. You were telling me about women screaming on a lawn with a bat. So I went up uh, to see what was going on. And it was just, you know, a big, beautiful lawn, big, beautiful house. And uh, I don't... yeah, I, so I just walked in and I saw the bat and I just picked it up and took it out. And kept it? Um, you, the campus had, you know, some tree areas, some nice big lawn. So I just put it in a in a wooded section of campus. Of campus. It was a campus bat. Did you befriend this bat in some way? I mean, did it bite you? Because that's the thing you no. worry about is that it's going to bite yes, you. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have powers? Uh, I just, 
I've always liked bats, and I just didn't even think about it. I just, I just did it. Well, this is a nice. And, uh, that's a nice yeah. little bat tail. Is that? Yeah. But it has nothing to do with being balls deep in the PC. Oh right. Um, you know, some people liked the Viet Cong, and some people didn't. That's the end of your story. That's your tagline. <laughs> So the real theme this week was supposed to be bats in your mind. Well, that's the story that came to mind when you uh, floated this theme. Oh, I did. That was, oh, because you were under intense pressure in that moment and you felt. No, it was just like automatic, which I guess if you want to tie it in is how I behave in uh, these like panic situations like i always think i think it's fair for me to want to tie it in i think the purpose of a theme is that you tell a story that has some at least passing relevance to that theme now i well, thought my does. theme was a I'm joke not gonna in, i'm not gonna insult the listener by spelling it out yeah. i mean oh, yeah <laughs> um it's gonna be like a john cage podcast where we, we just all stare at something hyper abstract and pretend we get it yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I thought that's what everybody was doing. Yeah, no, like, no, no. This is the I abstract operate. expressionism of podcasts. Right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, in, in these panic situations, I always assume I would panic because I'm such a scaredy cat. Like, I'm scared of everything. Like, I have a new phobia, like, every day. But, um, like, when it... When it comes down to it, I'm a really like clear thinker. I go on this automatic, uh, and I was I was at the top of the library stairs one night on campus on the same KU campus, and his lots. It's like the the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It has like those stairs. Sure, right? the big stairs, lions on either yeah, side. Yeah, maybe maybe a little less grand. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough. Yeah, but uh, and it was at night. Uh, it was so it was in the winter, so it was dark pretty early, and I was just walking around campus because that's what I did. I walked all the time, and I get up to the top of the stairs, and I open the try to open the doors, and they're locked. The library's closed for the evening, and uh, so I turn around, and at the bottom of the stairs is a dude in a ski mask. What? This is the second sort of home invasion, like potential sexual assault story that you have told in two weeks, which feels oh, like really? it might require a trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. Last week, somebody who's climbing in through your kitchen window. Oh, his last name was die. Uh, oh, the guy who climbed in through your kitchen window. <laughs> yeah. But so this guy was, uh, down there at the bottom of the, the stairs waiting for me and campus was deserted and I should have, I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, at the time, I thought it was earlier than it was, but uh, so it was just him, him and uh, me, and we just stared at each other for a minute. And there was a wheelchair ramp off to the side of the stairs. Uh, I think on the on my right, anyway. Sure. I, uh, and it was two levels. It went down, you know, one slant and then turn a corner and down another. Sure. Um, in my in my memory, and uh, so I just ran over there and I jumped, I jumped over the railings. Oh wow! Just so so I would be to the side of him rather than like going down the stairs. So I kind of ran, jumped down the railings, and I ran across the lawn, and he was like right after me, and I just ran into the middle of the road, and 
right then a car was driving down the campus road and I just waved my arms and they stopped and it was two girls and two big dogs and they said get in and I got in. This is the girls, not the dogs, I assume. But I, I, I hate to interrupt the like... thread of your story. But <laughs> in case, in, in case some dog all... whisperer is listening, you <laughs> you got to find these dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out all of this is just a preamble to the time you met two talking dogs. <laughs> the dogs could talk. <laughs> And uh, I saw the guy run off into the into the wooded section, only to be bit by a bat. Only to be come Batman. <laughs> That's how Batman. And that bat that you saved, he took your revenge for you. <laughs> Batman's now rabid. Oh, wouldn't that? Hey, what if that happened? What if it's like an Aesop thing? And oh yeah. Like that bat. I don't even think it's a what if thing. at this point. <laughs> right. It's magic. We can assume that's the case. <laughs> okay, so that our theme this week, if anyone is picking up in the middle for some reason, <laughs> is against my best, my best instincts, and this will be the last time I ever joke about a theme. <laughs> our theme is apparently balls deep in the VC, which... <laughs> was me trying to pretend like we had any gruff credentials, which neither of us do. We're, we're the softest people on the planet. <laughs> which is why this was such a joke on our text thread. And, and why I assumed it wouldn't have been brought up, but since it has, and I'm stuck with it, <laughs> why, why are you are you thinking that we're gonna get in trouble are you trying to like get the listener on your side yeah okay. <laughs> our primary okay. demo right now is vietnam vets so i just want to make it clear that you know they served honorably and while i do not approve of the war that they fought in i approve of their service Unless they didn't serve honorably, in which case, you know, but kind of do you have to say that? I mean, no, is that well, like a given? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, you do. You have to say, you have to, everything we say, we first have to make sure that people know that we are on the right side of. Well, you don't have to, but I mean, like, no, yeah. I, you, you have had human interactions before, right? You are aware that this is how strangers judge you is by, like, enjoying your I mean, presence. We, we all have to be Ira Glass. But we can at least make an effort at well, likability. No, I'm sorry, I just, not, not that he's likable, <laughs> that, he's, that he's correct. This is our he's... weekly podcast where we shit on Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to City Mouse Country Mouse slash or fuck Ira Glass. No, I didn't say he wasn't likable. I was just saying he's, he's correct. And like, I, I'm afraid, I mean... I'm not correct enough. No, I mean, the, I mean the preamble. Like, I, I don't. I, you know, I like veterans. I'm not. Oh, I, I don't think you have to give that preamble. But I didn't come up with a theme. You did. Yeah, I know. Um, and you're a Casper girl out there, out there in real America. I'm just one of them New a... York City liberals who makes pace or it's rival salsa. <laughs> You're that rival. That's our favorite brand of salsa in New York is rival salsa. Unnamed rival salsa. 
parentheses as appeared in Pace commercials circa 1991. Pace Picanti did more to hurt the reputation of the West than... Anyway, as a New York Cityer who has, by his own foolish missteps, been forced to tell a story that has something to do with being balls deep in VC. Uh, yeah. The story that comes to mind... <laughs> yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so... The only the only story that I've got, and it's it's really not so much a story as a series of highlights in my head, which is that after hearing about it for a long, long time, last year, Shara and I, during New York's spring break, we had 14 days, I believe, we took a trip to Vietnam, uh, is which is a country that I had never been to before. And we knew that we did not have enough time because the flight times to get there are enormous. You know, it takes just an eternity each way. And so we wanted to do as much as we possibly could in the 10 days that we were there. And because we didn't know, you know how when you travel to someplace that you have never been, you never know what it is you ought to do. Right. And so I am of the sort of firm opinion that you just go and maybe you book the first night's accommodation, but after that, you can just figure it out. Right. You know, unless it's like the Olympics or something, there will be hotels, there will be places to stay. You can figure, you know, most countries are at least fairly functional to visitors. And I have never, I have yet to have an experience where just arriving someplace foreign and figuring out what I'm going to do once I get there has been a bad thing. Anyway. Right. You fly by the seat of your pants. and Our goal was to experience as much of the culture of Vietnam as we could. And, of course, it's ha- hampered by the fact that it takes an enormous amount of time to get there. And then when you get there, it's a 12-hour jet lag. Or it might even be 14 hours. But it's essentially the opposite side of the world. So the moment you hit the ground, you're dysfunctionally tired. Uh, and, and like dysfunctionally tired in crippling heat, which is the worst way to be dysfunctionally hip t- tired. You know, oh. it's it's one thing to be unbelievably exhausted in normal weather, but when it is too hot to sleep, you are forced to do this sort of zombie stumble around until nighttime <sighs> hits. Right. Uh, we arrive in Hanoi and we booked our ticket out of what is now Ho Chi Minh City and what was formerly Saigon. And because my father has a very complicated history with the Vietnam War and because I wanted to understand him when I was a kid, I'd read enormous amounts about the Vietnam War and about Vietnam in general. So my total inability to speak the language meant that I was entirely relying on Western accounts. But nonetheless, I like wasn't going in without some level of history. And so I was really hoping to sort of see as much as possible. And, and the plan was to do these cultural things. And we somewhat succeeded initially. You know, we went out in Hanoi and we walked to this beautiful park downtown. Like Hanoi is a very weird, busy city, right? Like if you've ever been to Southeast Asia, the motorcycles sound like bumblebees. They just come in and it's just like this hum all over the streets. And we went to the Water Puppet Show, 
Have you ever heard of a water puppet? Water show? puppets? Uh-uh. Yeah, they're uh, they're like regular puppets, except everybody operating them is underwater. So, uh, and or like they're operating them from underwater. I think they're behind a scrim, and their faces are above the water, but they're using sort of underwater sticks to make the puppets move. So the puppets look like they're sort of dancing on water. You don't see their operators. It's it's kind of cool. It's not as cool as like special effects, but if you were there in say the 15th or 16th century, which is I think when this started, you would think it was really cool. And it's still pretty cool, right? Like it's still, uh, I sadly was so jet lagged that I slept through half of that show despite being in a profoundly uncomfortable scene. <laughs> I <laughs> so I love puppet shows. They're, uh, the, they're the best. Oh yeah, I, and they're yeah. They're, it was it was a it was a lovely show, and and there was I, I didn't understand the plot at all, but it, there were dragons uh, involved and fish. I think there was a magic fish mm. in the plot. I, it's it's a little hard to tell. The singing was all in Vietnamese, so it was. Uh, and, I, and again, I don't speak any Vietnamese. Okay, so I'm in Vietnam. I'm in Vietnam, and I have this complicated history with. The place, just because it's some place that I know is so vital to my dad's history there. Like, he told us stories as kids about visiting Vietnam, and, you know, he took a ride with this guy, the coconut monk, uh, across the rice paddies, and they were getting shot at because the coconut monk was this big Vietnamese peace protester. He was a monk who ate only coconuts. And uh, who, who wrote the, the Pearl? John Steinbeck. Um, Steinbeck's son was a disciple of the coconut monk and so he had brokered an introduction to my dad and and dad had gone out there and he'd been shot at and then the U.S. government was a little bit pissed off about his presence there at all because he was such an anti-war guy and so he had received some death threats in Saigon and the military was like, hey, like, why don't you get on a plane and go back home? And he was like, well, actually, I'm here for a reason. They were like, there are a bunch of death threats against you, and we're not going to protect you. Why don't you get on a plane and go back home? And so he got on a plane and went back home. Uh, so that's his history with Vietnam. And the thing that I was most interested in is sort of the course of the war and and to get some more visceral sense of it. And there's only one place in all of Vietnam where that happened. Because, you know, I've been in a couple war zones, but Vietnam's so far out. Like, I've been in the Balkans more recently where everybody's memory is still tethered to the conflict there. But in Vietnam, it's been a long time. So it's easy to lose track. You know, there's just layers and layers of social strata that are buried upon the consequences of the war. They're piled on top of it. And the only time that I was there that I got some sense of the war as being outside of U.S. politics, and I, I, to explain what I mean about this, if you are not an active serving military person in Afghanistan or Iraq, that's what Afghanistan and Iraq feel like, right? They're sort of political chits. They don't, we don't have any sense of what Afghanistan or Iraq are like and such a tiny percentage of the country is affected by them except in terms of the financing of it that there's no you know the stories that come out of there I have vague visions of people in convoys getting shot at or having 
IEDs blown up in front of them in mountainous regions and desert regions, depending on Mm -hmm. whether you're talking about Afghanistan or Iraq. But beyond that, there's no real sense of it. And and that's what Vietnam has always felt like for me. Uh, but, But I get the sense from people who've lived in war zones that living in a war zone is much more about getting groceries and getting gas and, you know, is the checkpoint going to be a hassle? And and also, like, sudden, inexplicable death, but mostly just what's tomorrow going to look like? And how do I make sure that, you know, I have someplace warm or cold to sleep? And how do I have enough food? And I never got that sense of living in Vietnam with the exception of possibly like the things they carried that Tim O'Brien book in any sort of media representation of it. And I think the thing, the only thing that changed about that when we visited there, and this is fairly dark, but it's sort of the thing that pops to mind is that you hear in all of these cultural representations of Vietnam, this war that happened before I was born, you hear references to Agent Orange. And to me, the one thing that sort of gave me the visceral sensation of of this war in a way that I had never experienced it before was to go to the museum in Ho Chi Minh City and it's called like it's got some incredibly propagandistic name to it, right? Like the American Aggression Museum or something like that. I, I've forgotten what it's actually called, but it's... And you go and they have, you know, a lot of salvaged items from the world, tanks and shells and planes and things like that. And you go in and there are exhibits in both English and in Vietnamese and there are pictures that accompany those visits. And some of them are patently ridiculous, uh, right? Like, like there's there's a whole chamber devoted to the idea that like John McCain like and his like exemplary treatment in the Hanoi Hotel. Oh. And it's like, even John McCain, noted U.S. senator, was like treated <laughs> like a prince when held captive as a prisoner of war. And you're like, okay, well, we, that's self-evidently untrue, right? Like that, we, we don't, you know, it was, there's a lot of sort of glossing over the, the NVAs, the North Vietnamese Army's uh, uh, own problems during this war. But there is also this big exhibit on Agent Orange which I had never seen before. And do you know anything about it, Agent Orange? I do not. So it's a deforestation chemical. Like the the primary purpose of it was because uh, U.S. infantry were getting slaughtered in jungles, the plan was we're just going to just deforest all of these combat regions where we're losing troops. We're just going to drop en masse this deforestation agent. And we're going to no. cover all of these regions, no. and it's going to kill all of these trees. And it, and, it, and they blanketed all the, 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 the animals in the trees. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was an ecological slaughterhouse. Yeah. But yeah. it also resulted in these like very lurid 
birth defects and that uh, museum charts them and I'm trying to remember the one that got to me it was like somebody who had grown up I wish I could remember it exactly and I'd have to look at my notes from that trip to, to, to get to it but it was basically like somebody who'd grown up without like any limbs but was effectively just like a talking mouth uh, dude, and, dude, and, and dude. without, fuck. uh, you know, without losing consciousness and, oh, fuck, man. and it, it was just like very dark and weird. It, yeah. It's, it's weird too. Like the things that I think I read about this museum and the one I remember is that some young man or, uh, old man who knows uh, he had black rods that would grow out of his fingertips yeah that's very possible it's basically it's i mean i don't know to what stuff. degree this museum can be trusted also to be fair but I, um, I, I, you know like i these struck me as true at the time but and i suspect they were uh, or are uh but I will say there are also things that were like very self-evidently not true in that museum. Sure. It's this weird like menagerie of uh, uh, terrifying mutations to like the human condition. Uh, You know, things that you fantasize about in some like gothic retreat in the 19th century and then, you know, hopefully never write down. And... Yeah, that that yeah, that was the first horrifying. like sense I had of like a, a version of the war that felt more human and and like less uh, less about the politics of America. So I got that okay. Okay. out of right. Vietnam, and I got four suits, four really great. Suits out of Vietnam. Great, great quality. Yeah. Stripe so the two human things I got out of Vietnam were perfectly fitting suits, four of them, and a sense of humanity's capability for inflicting suffering upon itself. <laughs> Happy 4th! 